Hey everyone, before we kick off with today's episode, I want to talk to you about Unfold, a three-month journey to your well-being. Imagine a life where you're not always running against the clock, and what if there was a path to well-being designed with just you in mind? We want to introduce to you Unfold, a transformative three-month program for you to reliably feel better. Unfold integrates unique tools like the work of Byron Katie, non-sleep deep rest practices and integral coaching, all carefully woven together to guide you towards self-discovery and holistic well-being. With a combination of weekly one-on-one meetings, guided relaxations and a carefully designed individual roadmap, Unfold can help you gain clarity, personal growth and a deeper understanding of yourself. Bring your stress, your heartache, finances, relationships and anything you feel is keeping you from feeling free and let it unfold in the direction of well-being. Unfold combines the inner work that is required for change with the deep rest that our nervous systems crave. As a listener of our podcast, you can get a 15% discount. Plus, you can also book a 30-minute free trial to get a taste of this program's approach. So if you're ready to say hello to a more balanced life, head over to www.christinabonnet.com. The website address will be right below in the show notes. Don't miss out on this opportunity to transform your life. Okay, on with the show. West of the Fields. West of the Fields. Oh god, that reminded me of um, the theme tune to Mock the Week. News of the World. Oh yeah. News of the World. Wait, isn't that the theme tune to News of the World? What's News of the World? No, wait, no? wait, no, what's the TV show called uh, about Mock the Week? No, I'm thinking of Have I Got, have I got, news, have for I got news For You? No, 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 that's no. <laughs> Have I got news for you? And which one goes? Round force? Yep, well done. <laughs> Wow, Steve, punching the air there. Hello, <laughs> welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us for season six, which is called Are We Enjoying This? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact and music of REM. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season, we're of course asking, are we enjoying this? And to be clear, we're asking, are we enjoying this in regards to the band R.E.M. and not are we enjoying this in regards to this, the sixth season of our podcast, which is called Are We Enjoying This? and which you may or may not be enjoying. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I'm a big music nerd. I'm a big fan of R.E.M. With me, as always, are two of my closest friends. The first is someone who is not a huge music nerd, is maybe the least knowledgeable on music in general out of the three of us, and is just learning through this podcast and many weeks of discussion, how to apply critical thought onto why he likes or dislikes something, and whether that means it's good or not. It is, of course, Lucas Way. And I like ground force. And we also have someone between those two. It's Steve Murphy. Uh, Was that with (laughs) Charlie Dimmock? Yeah. Yeah. And Tim, Tom, Tommy, Tommy, Alan, yeah. Tim Allen? No, Tim Allen wasn't in it. No. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, Hello. Steve and Lucas. Alan Titchmarsh, Tommy Walsh, 
Charlie Demick. Have you Come seen on. the photo of Alan Titchmarsh and Tom Cruise? What? <laughs> yes. And like Alan, t- I think Tom Cruise has his arm around Alan Titchmarsh and is pointing him like, "I love this guy." <laughs> I love, this I love, Titch, I love Titchmarsh. I've uh, I've uh, met I've I've met Alan Titchmarsh in in my professional capacity as a guard. Oh. No, no. Oh, is he nice? Uh, he's he's a man. Oh, he's a normal okay. man. He's a man. Great. That's interesting. That's great insight. Compelling. Actually. Yeah, compelling insight. <laughs> oh, mm. good lord. Well, anyway, on this podcast, we're exploring the entire discography of REM, and we are currently partway through our exploration and discussion on their debut album. Mama, uh, <laughs> where do you guys think we got up to? I'm, I'm I don't think, convinced. We I don't think we've covered a, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've covered a single track yet. <laughs> convinced, convinced we haven't hit Radio Free yeah. Europe, but we might have done. Anyway, uh, we're either going to play Radio Free Europe now, <laughs> or or another or one, a different one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Here we go. That's great. Great little transition between the chorus. Uh, it's it very little. That... It's very, very little transition. It's, it's so instant. It's great. <laughs> uh, it has that similar kind of dark, mysterious, bass-driven opening as Pilgrimage. They both start with like weird, spiky, dark yeah. bass lines, which I think shows how important their bassist, Mike Mills, is in like the writing of their songs. But you don't have to wait because this one instantly opens up with like picked acoustic guitar, and interestingly, that intro just doesn't come back at all. Uh, yeah, which I I I think is interesting. Um, what did you guys think of the song? I I think it's just sort of it's lovely. Best one so far, really. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, hundred percent. Because it's got a bit more pep, little bit more pep in its step. And uh, until about three days ago, I had this in my low lights, and that's where it sits for me. Yeah, Madman. Yeah, now now it's right up there. Mad now Man. it's right that's up there. Great, it's great. I think it's, it's the great, monotonous yeah. delivery uh, of the vocals, and, and I think there's I think that. This can... has got some good backing vocals. Is that Stipey or is hey, that Buck? That is Stipe doing. Buck never does them. The the, the harmony part is Stipe. Buck burrows. Uh, Bill burrows in in. In the berry, in the pre-chorus, it's Mike Mills. Though. No, it's Stipe. It's, oh, it's, it's Stipe doing the it's Stipe doing the pre-chorus, uh, and and in the chorus again. But but the uh, 
the bass is providing main, the main melody the bass. while the guitar just sort of strums the boom, 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 yeah. boom bit on the bass. The bass is, is great. the soul of the song. The bass is everything in this song. It's great. That's R.E.M., man. You've got. That's why I said in the first episode, guys, you got to listen out for the bass. Because yeah. we don't usually pay that much attention unless it's like the main part well, of the song. Well, it is you know? in this. It opens, it straight away comes in. My first note is about the bass. And my last note is about the bass. It's the uh, same point. We love Mike which Mills. Which is great. Should we, should, okay. Should we officially... We always pick one to Stan, you know? Should we officially pick Mike Mills? Are we officially, Mike, that, are we officially we, a Mike Mills podcast? Are we a Mike Mills podcast? Oh, I've had it in my notes here. It was Scott Mills doing the bass. Which really <laughs> changes like the radio things. one yeah. DJ. It does change things, yeah. <laughs> Wait, who did we stand last season? Uh, Lauren Hill, I believe. Wait, sorry, who did we stand the season before Lauren Hill? Uh, Ed, yeah. was it? Of course, Ed. Of course it was Ed. We're officially an Ed podcast, yeah. yeah. And We're then, a James podcast, obviously. Yeah. No, Sean uh, Moore. Sean, we're Sean Moore podcast. <laughs> no, Sean Moore was the joke. We he was Chris, the joke. Chris, Chris obviously, Chris has about, always been. Chris, yeah. We obviously yeah. stand Chris. And then for, yeah, yeah. for Billy, I mean, it's Phineas. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for absolutely. Billy Eilish, yeah, it's yeah. the other one. Phineas, yeah, it's yeah. the other one. Oh, he's my husband, um, Robbie, you know. Yeah, that's true. Supportive. I, I love the, the feel of the song, which is kind of all I'm left with because I have no clue on the meat of the lyrics, you know? I mean, the the main thing that you keep saying, the la, I don't know how you pronounce it, Lao, Lao, Lao Kun. L-A-O. You sound like one of those uh, toys. When I was at Reading, there was a campsite that were doing that nonstop. First of all, I was like, that's funny, that sounds like it. That sounds like that thing. Yeah. And then, but two days yeah, later. Two years later, when I'm still at the campsite. <laughs> and you, that's what happens when you're camping within feet of children. Yeah. 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 L A O C O, another O, but it's got an umlaut above it. N. Lao Kun. I've got absolutely no idea. Lao Kun. Here's what I got I got lock the door, lighted, misconstrued. That's about it. Uh, I don't even see lock the door, mate. Don't even see no? the door of these lyrics. Okay, cool. Lao Kun is is a Greco Roman myth of Lao Lao. I'm, I'm saying it wrong. I'm definitely saying it wrong. Uh, Where is it in the song? The first word in the song, the first word of every verse, which to me sounds like rock and roll. Is what I hear. Lao Kun. two sons. Probably that. Right? I don't know. Lao Kun. Lao Kun. And her two sons. Yeah. And her two sons. Right. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. Greco Roman something or other. Greco-Roman myth of Lauren. Uh, yeah. The Trojan priest attacked by giant sea serpents sent by the gods after nearly foiling the Trojan horse ambush by poking it with a spear. Stipe says he misgendered Lauren by mistake. He merely liked the way it sound, the sound of the name fit with an alliterative chorus. So I guess that's her two sons. So maybe it's supposed to be his. Yeah. Cool. That's... Uh... That's interesting. I mean, looking at this statue, it does look like it's a dude. I was going to say there's a very famous statue of it. That's sort of where I'd heard the name before. Is this the one in the the uh, the Vatican? It is in the Vatican, right? Yeah. So, so, mm. so therefore, that I'm getting more religious stuff coming out of it. I, I don't know what otherwise. There's not a whole lot to grab hold of in this, is there? How how is how is it religious? If you don't mind me just burrowing into that for a, a hot second. Did, did did Lucas say it was a priest? A Greco-Roman myth. Of a Trojan priest. Right. Yes, yeah. priest. Okay, and also cool. it's in the Vatican, so your brain immediately goes to religion. Now, did you remember that he'd said priest, or did you just go, Greco-Roman sounds old. Old religion. religion. It's all old stuff. There, yeah. there was yeah, no, giant you. sea serpents and stuff. That sounds 
That sounds like sounds some, sounds, sounds biblical, doesn't it? it? Some sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, you said about you, know, you can barely make out any lyrics of this one. This is one. This is really one of the ones where there's a lot of repeated lyrics. Like oh, the okay. verses. Yes. No, the, I got that. There's three yeah. verses, and they're basically the same words. A couple of words mm. different. Chorus famously they're all normally the same over and over again. Famously, okay. There's a bridge. There's an outro, which is basically just the bridge. Uh, it, it, it's which uh, the bridge is yeah. There's just it's basically the same lyrics over and over again, which is re- a trend. This album, there's a lot of just like do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But vibe wise, I like this one. There's a power in repetition, you know. Um, I, I think there's. I don't think repetition automatically makes something lazy. I think I can tell automatically for the people exactly. Mm. Um, but isn't it interesting that me? Mr. Context, Mr. Lyrics, Mr. I Love to Know What Songs Are About. I knew four words from this song. Uh, and, the, and the stuff about the Greek myth, very interesting. Don't really care about it. Uh, the, I, no. <laughs> I, just, I just love the song. It's not about that, is it? It's not, he's not saying no. anything by it. Yeah. No, it's just, he's just chosen yeah. a word. No, he's just chosen a thing. That's what, I mean, this is what's interesting over the course of the season that I want to get into because I am... I am interested to know because currently I don't understand why REM are in the contention for your favourite band with Radiohead, who are obviously sonically and musically and technically far more interesting than pretty much any band ever. Um, Yeah, that's true. And then Mannix, who are really interesting because of all the context, all the deep reading, all of that sort of stuff, which is very Adam. And then you've got Mannix, and you've got, sorry, you've got REM, who are not those and so i'm interested to know what it is about them that makes them one of your three pillars yeah i i think i i'm going to remove manix from the pillar at some point i think um because they were never you know at one point they yeah i just said they're my favorite band in the world it hasn't been that way for a long time even when we started the podcast, it's because they were a very interesting band, not necessarily because they were my favourite at the time. But they're certainly still up there for you. They're still very big. And, they're still up there. But that's what the season was about. They're in the top ten. They're in the top ten. Ten pillars. Yes. I mean, so so Manix give me... Uh, do you know what? Never mind. It doesn't matter. Well, REM okay. kind of... Uh, I don't know how to sum it up. But, I, but this song... I don't understand what it's about. I don't need to know what it's about because I'm left with the feeling of the song. And I think sometimes when we're analysing music, Lucas, that's the bit that you are missing is like you're not uh, set up to engage with the inherent emotion of a song, you know? Um, And this feels nostalgic and it feels wistful and it feels like someone looking back on something um, there's a there's a happy kind of melancholy to this song that I like very much, and REM lyrics, you know, Michael Stipe's lyrics, maybe they don't make perfect sense, but they are such excellent communicators of emotion and of feeling and of vibe, and there is one song on this record in particular that I think will will explore that. We'll do it through the lens of that one song, I think. Um, I don't think, but I do like this one. I can definitely sometimes pick up on inherent emotion in song, but nowhere near as much as you. But I can pick up on inherent vibe, right? I pick up more on like this is upbeat and it's got a bit more energy to it, and that's what I like about it. But I'm not saying it sounds wistful and like someone thinking about the past and looking out at an ocean, right? What did I say? Looking out at that's just thinking what of my thing. <laughs> when you started <laughs> describing it, that's what I thought. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, to make it very dry, uh, and this is, you know, this is just something, uh, I think that when asked to write some slower songs, they returned to an older version of this song, and it will have been recorded with that in mind from a faster version. This was actually written around the same time as Carnival of Sorts, Stumble, Wolves Lower, all ended up on Chronic Town. So I think they took the song and repurposed it as a slower one. I got no proof of that. That's just a hunch. Mm. Um, you are also correct, Adam, by the way. It is Lanky Room, which, what does that mean? Is it actually? Yeah, it's Lanky, well, according to Genius Lyrics, Lanky Room. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way Genius Lyrics have got that right. I'm looking it up. talking about repetition in laughing that's the same few bits repeated again and again and again and i love them all every time they're played yeah there's about 12 <laughs> lines in this song total no not even that maybe about eight nine in the whole song ignore everything i said in the last one yep yummy yummy yum yum well, i like this one considering it's just doing the same thing <laughs> yeah i mean i i love that that riff the bam 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 it's great. It has it, now. This sounds a bit like country music, Lucas. This has a more defined country tinged sound, and you can even hear it in his voice. I can even, you know, when he's going empty, empty. It's a bit, it's a bit more country. Uh, I tell you what, though, right? Have a look at the track listing, right? Radio Free Europe, Pilgrimage, Laughing, Talk About the Passion. It's a soft opening for the album, isn't it? Yeah. The whole first side is much softer, yes, way more subtle, more nuanced than perhaps you would be expecting from the Chronic Town EP. And so I was wondering, actually, as such, does that move it closer in line with the REM that you guys knew of coming into the season than Chronic Town did? Oh, big time. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, so for you, Chronic Town was a little bit of an outlier and this is like oh we're back to rem basics as it yeah as i mean it were. back to classic yeah. rem that i'm very familiar with <laughs> yeah, yes. of course. But, i mean it is classic rem because it's the first album it's the most classic rem that yeah. we'll do i reckon <laughs> yeah yeah um that's interesting so so to you this just sounds like rem this is what rem sound like kind of yeah i mean this one sounds i would say some of the last couple sounded more like what i imagine rem to sound like in fact the last song on laughing i literally put this sounds like what i expect rem to sound like this one does sound a little bit more country like you said a little bit more mm-hmm. like even his vo- and his vocals are going a little bit more yeehaw yeah, a little um, bit more yeehaw a little yeah, bit yeehaw. um and it sounds and it's like it sounds like a you know like you see like a like a joke of a 
a southern guy trying to speak Spanish. He's like, no hablo español. It's him. He's doing it in French. Combien. Combien. Now, okay, so that is, you know, I mean, they are much more discernible lyrics and vocals on this, I think. Like, you can can hear the lyrics. Um, Empty prayer, empty mouths, combien reaction. Empty prayer, empty mouths, talk about the passion. Not everyone can carry the weight of the world. The the combien du temps is very, very clear, uh, and much is made of it with Michael Stipe doing whatever it is that he's doing with his voice. Yeah, like, I don't know. Every time he says it, it gets more and more like pronounced to, until yeah. he's just like, combien du temps! He's, like, he's like doing that. It's very On stage, odd. does he come along with straw in his mouth? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, combi in the doms. What does that? It, something about uh, like how much, how how long left or something? No. How well, it, you would. Yeah, it's how much time. It li- literally translates to how much time, which he found to be very beautiful. I mean, typically you'd ask it, it's just like what is the time or whatever, but it literally translates to how much time, and then he uses it for in the verses for combi and reaction. How much reaction? Empty prayer. Empty mouths. How much reaction? Um, and I think you know we're on a we're on a little kick here. Maybe Steve. Maybe this is what you were talking about in your little mm-hmm. four song run or whatever. Yep. Talk about the passion summoned a religious connotation for me. You know, coupled with uh, empty prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I suppose it could be about desperation or something. Maybe. What do, what, what do you think? Yeah, that's exactly what I got. Yeah. Well, I, I read that the song was about uh, like hunger. And that the music video apparently has a lot of homeless imagery. It does. There's a there's a number of things. So over time, Stipe has spoken a little bit about it being about how passion is something you experience, not just talk about. And he's also alluded it to, to it being about hunger and homelessness, which all kind of maybe adds up to it potentially being about seeing poverty, talking about fixing these things, but never doing it, uh, and asking what your reaction would be or how long until things like these are prioritized which again maybe maybe goes against his quote about not talking about politics well that's what i was about to say he said don't talk about politics on stage liar but he's not talking about politics it's all a peripheral feeling isn't it it's none of it's specific it's all inherent it's all loaded into these phrases that he's using and then he's not going into an interview and going uh so these lyrics are about this situation that's happening in the world and i'm very clever for that and aren't i great and actually, we've said politics. We're talking about different people's reactions to homelessness and how you've and all that. There's nothing, no, nothing there that talks about politics. We're talking about people and their own like reaction to it. Not if that's what it's about, you know. If that's what it's about, yeah. But if it yeah. is, it doesn't necessarily even mean it's political. Just because you're talking about something that you can obviously say a lot about the politics behind, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean they're talking about that. They can talk about well, how do you feel about it? What's your reaction? Combien reaction? Combien reaction? Exactly. Combi and reaction to this song, guys. Good. Uh, we. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, com si, uh, Oh. You're like oh, middling, middling on it. Oh, mate, after the banger we just got, and, and, the, bang- and the banger we're about to get. C'est uh, très bon. Uh, non, wow. je ne sais pas on this one. Interesting. I think this is an absolute wait, wait, fucking... Guys, what is... Guys, obvious. what is... It, what, what does je ne sais pas mean? I don't understand. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it's uh, an obvious standout from the album for me. Yeah, not for me. Yeah, it, it, it 
it's it's skimming my highlights, but it's not quite there, I don't think. But it's definitely one of the stronger things on here. Uh, good stuff. Like this one. Maybe what I'm learning early doors is what I like from my REM. More energy. A bit more pep. Maybe I like yeah. the pep a bit more. Yeah, maybe. Um, that chorus, I mean, talking about lack of pep or energy, I do think there's a good energy to this song, but that chorus is so smooth. The bit, the bit where the uh, the backing vocals come in and it's all like da 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 da. That bit is is very lovely. Um, it, it, they break their rule on no guitar solos. There's a bit of a guitar solo on this one. Yeah. Uh, in in the breakdown, it's, it's like, like an acoustic bridge. guitar. It's, it's like a, yeah, it's kind of like a repeated melody, isn't it? But that is four acoustic guitars playing at once. And we talked earlier about the mixing being weird for the time. You can't tell it's four guitars. No, not at all. Which would have all been lovingly separated and individually audible on something like an Eagles record. But here it's that lovely kind of what was the word you used? Mush. It's all a lovely <laughs> yeah. mush, and it's all coalescing or cross pollinating, as 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 uh, Colin Greenwood would say. Mm. Colin Greenwood would. Colin Green would 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 say, uh, yeah. Also, Lucas, hi strings. Well, uh, string. It's not string. an instant. It's not an instant <laughs> string. There's, well, a cello. there's loads of there's someone loads plays of the string. There's loads one cello, uh, which is like an expansion of sound beyond just four guys playing in a room. But I I would say it's like a big dramatic Lucas bait string part. Um, Doesn't sound like Hans Zimmer this song. It's it's also kind of indistinct. You don't go, wow! I can hear the detail of the bow on the cello, like you can with some recordings. It's it's mixed with vocal harmonies to give this kind of indistinct wash sound to it. Um, it, it this song makes me feel nice and sad, sad and nice. Mm. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Do you mean sad and nice, like nice sad, or do you mean like it makes you sad and it also makes you feel really nice, like a kind and nice person? Yes, all of that, I think. All of that. Yeah. Um, incidentally, you're hearing them play the song all the way through for the first time. Uh, they had all of the different parts, uh, and they and they were just recording a rehearsal of them playing them in order for the first time. And then they just went, yeah, that sounds all right. That's the take. It's done. That's something. That's definitely something. That's something, isn't it? That's crazy. That's, That's not crazy what they would have got with the previous producer. No, it's not. Um, it was also the second single for the album, and I think the last. I think the only singles from this album are Radio Free Europe and Talk About the Passion. Uh, yeah, just a huge standout for me. It's on every best of that they release uh, from the era. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk About the Passion. Uh, the next track's called Moral Chaos. We just did. We just did. That's not bad. That's not bad. I texted Steve 
about this one just because I'm really trying hard to uh, discern the lyrics. I wonder if Steve will remember the text I sent. But anyway, I get very clear images from Talk About the Passion, and I think we did a good job of talking about Talk About the Passion. What the fuck is a moral kiosk? That's my main takeaway from this song. Here's some of the lyrics I got. One of these I texted Steve because I was like, there's no way it's this, is there? And obviously Steve didn't let on. Scratch the scandals in the twilight. China shop, but instead. Here's the one. Idle hands are oriental hands. Can't be that. Uh, Pass a magic pillow under head. So much more attractive inside the moral kiosk. That one's very easy to get, I think. Um... I, what is the line that I think is idle hands are oriental hands? What's, what is that? Idle <laughs> hands all orient to her is okay, what Genius cool. says. Right. But so, again, okay. is that, that bollocks? I, I, that but, makes more sense. But also the line you yeah. said before that as well. Pass the line you said is correct. Uh, I got scratched the scandals in the Twilight China shop, but instead. I don't think China shop, but instead is. Trying to shock. Oh, China shop. Okay, well, I get, I get close. Yeah. It gave me images of a bull in a China shop, though, which are now null and void. <laughs> uh, it might be. Maybe you say, Adam, no Adam, yeah. mate, you're, at the end of the day, you are as reliable a narrator as whoever wrote this in the like, Genius Lyrics. That's, that's probably so, true. I've got absolutely no idea, though. Even, though if, even if I get a few of the lines, I don't really know how they fit together. I could make a play for it maybe being about sexuality that isn't accepted by wider society. And and it wouldn't sound completely out of the question because we know that, that Michael Stipe is a queer artist, but it would be a reach. Do you see where I'm going with that, though? Scandals, more attractive when you're following the social morals. Yeah, the moral kiosk. No, no. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I mean, to, the moral kiosk to me is just it's more attractive to be. It it seems to be better to be in a better place morally than not. Yeah, I uh, maybe, it's but then more I think attractive the, to be in the moral kiosk. I've I've read. I vaguely remember my 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 take is not completely unfounded. I vaguely remember the band saying it was a reaction to Jerry Falwell, the. Tele, televangelist, the the preacher that espoused homophobic rhetoric, um, but but I can't find the quote. I might have also imagined it, um, but but I think I think that's where it is. Like so much more attractive in the moral kiosk, or you know, there's something, there's something there, yeah. right? There's something yeah. about morals. There's something about a kiosk, yeah. And it's it's just it's just putting those things together and trying to figure out. What that is, yeah? Is it not just a little kiosk you can go into and just buy some morals? That's also nice. And that's an interesting sort of comment on perhaps the uh, politics of the 1980s, you know, that morals are for sale these days. What do you think of, uh, when you think of the word kiosk, what does it look like to you? Because mine is just the little sprite from Rollercoaster Tycoon, the information kiosk. That's good. With okay. a little spinning so- eye on it. So mine is the ones from Paris that uh, that sell magazines, and there's a little guy oh, sat in there yeah. at the counter. How small is su- he? Surrounded by magazines, he's about one foot, oh and, my he, God. and he's surrounded by all these magazines. He's about as tall as a magazine. Yeah. Uh, so when you ask him for, a and magazine, he's in a he cage, to, isn't he? He's in a cage. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he's surrounded by magazines. It's an endless torment for him. Yeah. Uh, because he knows at any minute one of those magazines could crush him, and he's desperately trying to sell all the magazines before before he dies. At their hand. Inside the moral kiosk, indeed. Don't know what it's about. 
I even reading the lyrics, the bit yeah. with the trading vocals with the backing oh. vocals, which aren't even really backing vocals, but supplementary vocals. Yeah, I like that. Supplementary vocals. Nice. Th- that, that bit's great. Yeah. That bit's really great. That's cool. Is that, is that, is that uh, Ted Teddington singing there? Uh, Ted, that would Teddington. be a mixture of Stipe and Berry and Mills, yeah. Right. Who, as um, we know, combine to form Ted Teddington. Ted Teddington. <laughs> um, but even when I read Inside Cold Dark Fire Twilight, which is what Genius Lyrics claims the lyrics are, I can't hear it. You, you can't, if you listen to because it's like, Inside Cold Dark. But then on, over the top of that, you've got the... Uh, so all the OOOs are just OOOs. They're just chip. They're not words. I think. I think one of the they, then they then say dark and fire, and then he says twilight. But you oh. can definitely hear the. Because I'm trying to hear it and I dark. can't. Yeah. Read it again, though. Read it. Read, read that line to me again. Inside cold dark fire twilight. I love that. Inside cold dark. Like, regardless of melody, regardless of how it's delivered. I love those words sat next to each other. We're going to encounter a song called Find the River, where the lyrics are uh, river poet search naivete. And I mentioned it on the first episode. Mm. Just words, just put together in a pleasing way. doesn't have to mean anything. You just have to feel something from it. And I think I got that from Moral Kiosk. Incidentally, a song that's in my lowlights. I, <laughs> I saw a thing about this whole album where he'd said something along the lines of, my lyrics are a bunch of... Um, Shit. Vowels and, a bunch of vowels and consonants that sound inter- sound pleasant together. Yes, yes. And then he figures out what the words are afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no idea what it's about. Tell you what it is, though. A much-needed little burst of energy, right? Yes. Boy. I like the... Which is also... That is actually something that is a little bit more of the time. That sounds quite 80s. It does. There are some 80s drums on here, aren't there? I, yeah. I think it's a China symbol. I didn't know why. I don't know why I said it like. Nah, it's a drum. Trump. It's a drum. China, China. China. Uh, that's a drum. That's a, not. A that's simple. a China or like a splash. Nah, I think it's a drum. The way the way that things were produced in the eighties, it it could well be a symbol. Um, it could it could well be. Uh, and I think what well, that's one I'm of those things though. Like it still has those subtleties. And you, but you could you could probably dance to this more easily than the last three that we had, and it has that riff, the wow wow, which is kind of more rock, <laughs> so cheeky, <laughs> and then immediately and followed by the cha cha, like it's, it's more rock than anything we've had so far. I think Drop. I love the weird, slightly last minute middle eight. I'm going to play a little bit for for you. noises uh that's what they do instead of solos rem they just it just makes yeah. noises that's where the solo would usually go you're right you um, can hear the 80s bleeding through there yeah the, this bit, one yeah. actually does yeah. sound a bit more of its time doesn't it but uh because of that uh slaps more than a bunch of the other songs uh, okay. <laughs> yeah so enough. far yeah. so far we're seemingly diametrically opposed on the sorts of songs we respond to <laughs> Uh, that's not necessarily true. We both liked laughing and talked that's about true. the passion, didn't we? I, uh, no, I, did, we... I, I didn't enormously read. Oh, about you the didn't. Passion. That's right. Uh, but there's nothing any of us really dislike. Yeah, there's loads of things I dislike. Oh, okay. The Tory Party. Yeah, yeah. I meant on the album. Crime. I meant on the album. Not all crime. But... No. What crimes are good? <laughs> what crimes are fine? 
Um, stealing from the rich to feed the poor. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm fine like with that. Rob, like Robin Hood. Yeah. Mm. He also murdered a lot of people with a bow and arrow. Cool. Yeah, fair. Yeah, bow cool. and arrow is cool. It's cool bow and arrow. It's yeah, bow and arrow is cool. pretty cool, to be honest. Cool hat as if well. If you can kill someone with a bow and arrow successfully, yeah. you're pretty good, actually. I think that's what it says in the law, isn't it? Shot my dad with a bow and arrow once. That was great. What? They had rubber tips on, but... Uh, Wait! I was there. Yeah, was I know. It? As soon the as I got the Alex opportunity Ollis. to... Yeah, as soon as I got the opportunity to shoot my dad with a bow and arrow, I was so excited about it. It's like the best <laughs> day of my life. My brother once threw a dart and it went inside my body. Oh my God, what? <laughs> How inside? <laughs> like what, down your throat, up your bum? Yeah. What are we talking? It, it, it went deep enough into me that it supported its own weight. Where? Yeah. My calf. Oh, two-headed calf. Nice, yeah, lovely. Went into my lovely. calf, stayed in it. Christ, I just disgusting. I just pulled it out and gone with my life. Legend. It's fine, right? It's probably fine, right? That's probably, probably fine. fine. That's what I mean. I'm amputee now, but that's unrelated. I imagine it's unrelated. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, moral kiosk, much needed burst of energy. That bit much for me. So thank God they immediately slow it right <laughs> down. Put your hair back. We get to leave. Eleven gallows on your sleeve. Shallow figure, winner's pain. Eleven shadows way out of Wonderful, wonderful, lovely, sad, lovely melody. Great end to the album. Yeah, it's the end end of the first half, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but very lovely, in my opinion. Also, incredibly different to anything that we've heard from them so far. Yeah. Um, a real change of pace, not just for the album, but for everything that we've heard from REM. Um, written by Bill Berry, the drummer, right. uh, who played it on keyboards, and then others added their parts, including that very floaty bass line. The bass line's lovely. Um, Lucas, what do, you, what do you think? This, this, this is something I thought, well, this could go either way. This could be Lucas is going to go, oh, it's boring, or he's going to be like, it's really nice. It's kind of both. Mm. It kind of is a bit boring, but it also definitely has a bit of a vibe. It's kind of like, it's just kind of a bit quietly sad yeah and yeah. just kind of like but not really that sad it's more like just melancholy it's just kind of like walking along a cliff i think you're you're picking up the inherent uh emotion there this is the song where i was going to talk a little bit about inherent emotion i think um so we'll get all that the really dry stuff out of the way 
it's played on a grand piano and an out of tune upright piano playing at the same time which is why i think if, if it sounds kind of childlike and and slightly off it sounds a bit like uh, one of those music boxes you know yeah. where the ballerina is sort of turning or it sounds a bit like a ragtime piano that they would use in early country music you know like a saloon piano yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it sounds like that a little bit um and it's their their use of the mix again that makes it feel slightly disorienting one piano is in the left and the other one is in the right but they aren't playing exactly the same thing at exactly the same time so when you in when your brain interprets it as one piano part it actually just starts wobbling left and right there is um there is backwards guitar on it that was added by Mitch Easter while he was mixing it so of course the band hated that through a bit Killed of a him. wobbly le- left the studio in a huff right but we're, but were kind of talked around and they eventually admitted that they actually liked it and that their entire reaction was just based on their experiences with Stephen Haig when they had recorded Catapult and he'd put a bunch of synth on it. Uh, so I think they just, yeah. But it, it remains on the song. They did like it enough that it remains on the song. It's, for me, maybe as close to a, one of those very things, one of those things that's very popular in rock music. It, it's as close to a song about a girl uh, as R.E.M. are willing to go at this point, you know, Um but it's about it's it's all about that emotion. There is no discernible s- sort of thing. Peter Buck said that there was a time during October 1982, so a few months before they were recording this, they were touring and touring, and he had had very little sleep, and he was in New Jersey looking out the back door on an autumn evening, uh, and he said it was just getting dark. And these kids were playing touch football, the last game before dark came, and for some reason I was so moved, I cried for 20 minutes. I I told Michael to try and capture that feeling. There's no football in there, there's no kids, and there's no twilight, but it's all there. Uh, and obviously now Steve is crying for 20 minutes, but it is, it is also, it, it, it is all there. There's a, there's, there's, there's something about it that captures that feeling, and I, I, I think, there's snatches of lyrics that I get, and some of it I'm happy just to let go. I definitely get put your hair back, we're good to leave. Um, eleven gallows on your sleeve. I think he's talking about eleven shadows way out of place. Obviously, the chorus is standing too soon, shoulders high in the room. And then there's all that stuff that is, pull your dress on and stay real close. Who might leave you where I left off? Perfect circle of acquaintances and friends. Drink another, coin a phrase. Heaven assumed, shoulders high in the room. I get. I think I get a sense of a relationship from it, you know. Or uh, mm. there, there's there's something about a, a party or something in public. Um, and Michael Stipe has said, in reference to Peter Buck's interpretation of the song, has said that it's about an old girlfriend, and is a right. deeply personal song to Michael. And what he actually said was, "But the feeling is exactly the same as what I think about the song." and what Peter thinks about the song. It's the exact same feeling, but the details are different. So from that, I take that it's, it's kind of summing up fleeting moments of joy as something draws to a close. You know, the, the last game of football before it's completely dark, um, the last event you're at with a partner where you know it's coming to an end. Um, 
Is that one for one represented in the lyrics? No. Does it feel very right to me? Yes, it does. Yeah, I mean you you've got you've got eleven shadows way out of place. I mean eleven wait, it was obviously talking football, about American mate, football. Wrong, wrong football. Wrong but football. how many players are in American football? About forty eight. Yeah, it's loads. It is loads. They is have it, like it's not different... eleven aside? No. no. Oh, they, never mind. It's like forty. But then, then that was the dusk thing I was going to say. So never mind, ignore that. But, um, but otherwise, yeah, all the you know perfect circle of acquaintances and friends. You got the party. You got drink another coin of phrase. Um, yeah, you got that. They got that feeling across both verses. Basically, you've kind of got one and one and another. But the shadows definitely shallow figure shadows way out of place. That's all. Um, I mean, it could be eleven kids playing, and they probably haven't got a full American football team, right? Yeah, but you're looking for. Specifics. Definitives yeah. and specifics where there aren't any. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter if there was 11 kids playing or not and they were casting 11 shadows. From this, I get the feeling of... Dusk. Kids playing just before it gets dark. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah but you only I'm... get that bit, presumably, because you've read that thing, which I also read about yeah. the kids playing football. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't have thought of that. You probably would have got the relationship stuff. You would have got the relationship stuff. I but I, I do get... Like, you would have got the melancholy. That, that story is just, yeah, it's, it's a conduit for the melancholy you can feel out of joyous things happening near the end of something. And I've always got the feeling of joy coming to an end, like that kind of sweet, the bittersweet melancholy of like dragging the last bits of joy from something that you know is coming to an end. That's the feeling that this song has, has always given me, you know? Uh, yeah. So it was interesting reading through those things from Michael and from Peter and having them kind of like put into some kind of context that I haven't had for the last, well, how long have I listened to R.E.M.? It's 20 years now, isn't it? Um, I, haven't, I haven't had that uh, sort of like brought into focus before. And that's what maybe, I don't, I don't know if that goes any way to explaining why they're such a pillar of a band for me, is that they're obviously very, very good at communicating what the essence of a song is. And that understanding happens beyond tangible comprehension, you know? Mm. Yeah. There's, a, there's something inherently sad about the chorus, and I can't tell you why. Uh, I mean, the, the, the melody the melody, is the melody. The melody is sad, melody. but, but yeah, the lyrics the are standing too soon, shoulders high in the room. Uh, something about, I don't know what that means. I, I get an idea of... Sad, don't it? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it means, but it's it should, sad. Yeah. <laughs> also interesting that their chorus, and they do this a few times, where their choruses have slightly different lyrics from one chorus to the next. Mm. Which is yeah. interesting because obviously most traditionally a chorus is just like the same as the one before. But then yeah. they also do that with their verses, where they're, they're basically the same, maybe a few different lines. So that's just what they do, regardless of verse, chorus, bridge, whatever. They just say the same things a lot and then make some tweaks here and there basically they do they do what they feel like i think i think that's what we've already started to discover is that like if there's some kind of like formula or where things that should be done rem are going to slightly tweak it you know and just make it their own in, in in some kind of way um i i think this is one of their best songs like certainly of the period if not ever oh yeah ever would be i mean ever would be that very early for us to be getting to Adam's favourite R.E.M. song. One of the highest regarded debut albums of all time. There are many R.E.M. fans who in their top R.E.M. songs of all time would have five or six tracks from this album. Really? 
Yeah, for sure. But they haven't heard exotic dancers in the strip club. So no one has yet, but they they will. They'll hear about us. Mm, They'll hear about us. Everywhere. Um also it ends it ends side one. This is the closer. It's a contemplative closer to a kind of soft, kind of contemplative side. And it's kind of a dark song. Uh and it's kind of a dark side of the album. Uh and it's about dusk and it finishes the side. And that's you know. It's all quite clever. Um, Hello, just a quick bit to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. Catapult opens side two. Yeah, I mean, it's a big anthemic chorus, Steve. Uh, you know, Is it? Uh, track seven rock song. Oh, track seven rock song, guys. Uh, I mean, it is more kind of it's, uh, rocky than, uh, than well, previous stuff, right? 
<laughs> I don't think I think the chorus is uh shit. No. Oh. That's the chorus is plural. Shite. Plural of chorus. Oh, right. The chorus is the chorus is uh I want to say overshadowed, but that's probably the wrong word for what I'm trying to say. The the verses in the rest of the song are quite dark, but because it's got such a jumpy pogoey chorus, pogoey, pogoing chorus, mm. I forget the rest of the song's quite a bit. Steve, Steve, when Steve, when we were little boys, yeah, do you remember? I don't remember when we were little boys. Do you remember? In the I didn't 90s? know you. We did know each other. I mean, relative. Yeah, you're right. Sixteen, little boys. I've always been a big boy. Uh, I hate the chorus. Yeah, you don't even uh, like that little the, the the guitar riff. The guitar. I've literally got uh, chorus is one word. Shit. Guitar is catchy though. Yeah, the, the the guitar is lovely. Yeah, yeah. I like the din 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 it, but I hate it just catapult. I mean, if you like that and you dis and you slag off Kevin Carter, then I don't know what you what I don't know what leg you have to stand on, really. Uh, I like Kevin Carter because that's even worse. Because Kevin Carter has two words, and this is just one. But that's just someone's name, though, isn't it? That the song it's just is just a word. About. It's just, just a word. Yeah. Yes. What's your problem with that? Well, it's just the same as Kevin Carter. It's just boring. It's just saying one thing over and over again. Like, I just think that's, I just think that's just nothing, really. Like, I bet you look good in the dance floor and stuff like that as well. I mean, that's got more words than he doesn't just go dance floor, dance floor, dance floor, dance floor. That is, that is, that's the song, isn't it? What have I listened to? Yeah. I also don't enormously rate that song. So, I mean, you do rate Daft Punk, though, which is often. The same words. It's not the same, is it? It's not the same. It's samples and bits. Well, if it's not the same, then qualify your statement. Why does it just the fact that it's just one word annoy you? It's just boring. It's just annoying. And also, I think the word is kind of annoying. I think the word catapult is a bit annoying. (laughs) Oh, that's an interesting. That's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I only asked because previously you were like praising bits that sound very, very similar to this bit in Catapult and aren't even words. They're just people going, oh, <laughs> you know, like making like non-vocal noises. So it's the fact that it is a word that's annoyed you. No, I don't, when have I, what, have I what, what did I say was good? What did I say I liked? Uh, well, is it Moral Kiosk or, yeah. It was a backing vocal, wasn't oh, it? Oh, and the chorus of Pilgrimage you said you liked, which is just the word Pilgrimage repeated. Oh, on the backing vocals. Yeah, but that's like the trading vocals is what I enjoy about that. And there's more more lines. It's just the fact that he just... It's just nothing. He's just going, catapult. And then he goes, right, and then follow that up. I'll just do it in a different, catapult. I don't know. There's just like, there's nothing. There's just nothing. It's like, it's just, it's just, it just does nothing. It's just saying the word catapult over and over again. It's Kevin Carter. It's the same as the chorus for Kevin Carter. I, I mean, we don't mind Kevin Carter, do we? Yeah, I didn't. Didn't we historic? Didn't we like fairly universally not like? We keep we refer to Kevin Carter syndrome. We've like used that as an expression. Yeah, the thing that annoys me about Kevin Carter is that it's just the guy's name. Like the verse is just a description of a guy, and then the chorus is here's the name of the guy we've been describing. Uh, it, like it, it'd, be, it'd be like catapult. It was like the verse was. The handle's made of wood, and uh, it's got elastic or whatever. The, the the verses of 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 Kevin Carter, they spend all this time in the verses trying to like ev- evoke something, and then for the chorus, give up and say just say his name again and again and again. 
which is also fine. I, was, I don't mind it. It's just not oh, a great... There is also again, an argument. 10 out of 10 album for me. I mean, there's but, also an argument. Well, maybe not. But on this, it's kind of the same in that they're obviously talking about youth and things they did in their youth and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then they just go like... It's like going, and then skateboarding, 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 skateboarding. I went skate... Well, no, because I went. It's still two more words. Skateboarding, skateboarding. Do you know what I mean? He's just like, I don't know. It's just... Maybe it's irrational, but I don't like oh, it. Oh, were you thinking of a catapult? I'm not having it. Like a, like, as in, uh, sorry, the little one, not like a giant like, trebuchet like, thing. No, like That's Dennis That's what the I Menace, was thinking of. Because they're, they're talking about childishness and child being little <laughs> boys and little like girls. A and giant catapult in like medieval no. times. You're thinking about siege weapons. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. actually, yeah. To be honest, guys, wait, how often are you guys thinking about siege weapons though? It's, bear in mind, these guys grew up in like the late 60s, early 70s, right? Is when they would have been like growing up. Hmm. So yeah, like kids probably did go out with a catapult in their back pocket, like Dennis the Menace. Like yeah. that was a, that was a thing. So oh, don't get me wrong, you've absolutely nailed what the song's about. Yeah, yeah, I just don't like the, I don't like the uh, result. I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't like what they've done with it in terms of the chorus. It just, it just kind of winds me up. I think it's like I feel like I could write it. I've always said that. I've said that a few times on the podcast. I feel like if I could do it, it's shit. I think you'd never choose to use the word catapult. Um, in a song about childhood, it's also it's a lot darker, but it's the same as just going skateboarding. It's, it's evoking a time, though, isn't it? A specific specific type of childhood, I guess. But it's also it seems just from various words <laughs> in the lyrics, it's it's a lot more it's a lot darker than it lets on because coward in a hole and hear the howl of the rope. It's kind of evoking a kind of abuse. As well, maybe I don't know. I'm getting kind of those that, and then it's like catapult. It's kind of a bit of a dichotomy to that. I don't know. I really like this song. Uh, don't don't get darkness at all from the verses or anything. I have no. to say, I think the whole thing feels wrapped up in like a kind of a kind of uh, warmth, uh, like a nostalgic kind of aching, a longing, or like a reaching. That, that then I realise is on like the the whole album. Like Radio Free Europe is literally about reaching out to faraway places. Uh, pilgrimage references a long journey. Laughing, you're talking about uh, obviously a Greek myth, which is kind of the ultimate nostalgic thing to do, really, isn't mm. it? Think that far back. Yeah. Uh, and then talk about the Passion and Perfect Circle. I both feel very nostalgic to me. And this starts with we were little boys, we were little girls. And then all the stuff about it's nine o'clock, don't try to turn it off, and your mother remembers this. Um, they seem like, they don't seem like dark images to me. That seems like staying up late to watch TV and memories of your oh. mother. I thought of the lights turning on at, at nine o'clock and that's when you've got to come in. Not yeah, that that makes be. sense with the fact that they're saying don't try to turn it off. Yeah, but work, I mean, none but... of it makes sense, mate. None of it makes sense. <laughs> but I, I have, to, I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel the darkness in the in the verses. So, so that's really interesting. What did you think about the um, word the, the lyrics "coward in a hole," mate? As if I heard "coward in a hole." What are you talking about? You've read the lyrics. Hear, hear the howl of the rope. Yeah, who knows? What I'm saying to you, Steve, I'm not saying there's no darkness in the song. I'm saying I didn't get any darkness from it. But then I've not been reading the lyrics, um, and and the longing I get is from the "Did we miss anything?" It feels like there's like some regret mm, yeah. or or the memory of those times is fading, uh, which I assumed would have made you cry for 20 minutes. Yeah, that sounds like Steve bait. Like, that yeah, sounds yeah, very absolutely. Steve. Yeah. No? Should we stop now for me to cry for 20 minutes? Edit this out. <gasps> no, keep it in. No, keep it in. No, keep the whole 20 minutes in. 
it's just not even anything. It's just like the occasional, all you really hear is just like the odd. Yeah, it's a silent cry. The odd it's, sniff. It's not like a know, no, it's not blubbing. Sob. He's just like quietly sobbing and the odd sniff. You might mm-hmm. hear the odd like splatter. But yeah. I, I think I fall somewhere between the two of you because I do like it. I like it in tone more than I like it in construction. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I like what it does for the album. I like the feeling of it, but I don't necessarily respond to the song itself. It's a bit single baity. I mean, you're just you're you're kind of saying what I'm saying way better. Like it's a bit yeah. basic. Mad though, isn't it? Because they didn't even release it as a single. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but then, um, to be fair, it also doesn't really represent the tone of the album either. So it, it, it does annoy me a bit, which probably even lowers my my opinion on the song even more. Is that the one of the songs where I read the lyrics and I go, I know exactly what this is about. It's one I don't like. That's annoying. That's just annoying for me. Like right, okay. personally, okay, <laughs> yeah, personally aggrieved. It's got to be a Steve highlight, hasn't it? It's track seven. It's track seven. It's a track seven rock song, isn't it? It's got it's got the ch- it's got the catchy chorus, and it's about the past. This is the one that um, Steve. It's got to be a highlight. Yeah, mate, it is, surely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This, this is the one they 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 took to Steve. What's his name? Didn't they? Because it was the most accessible. So of, co- yes, so of course yes, I like it because yeah. it's got no. You know, it's not interesting. <laughs> it's none of this pretentious bullshit, is it? Yeah, right, it's yeah. not what it's, yeah, I reckon right, this would be a much better with loads of synths all over it. Oh, I can't even imagine where he <laughs> well, would have put that. No, you know when he says the second catapult and he goes catapult instead of going catapult, you get woo doo woo woo woo. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, that's exactly it. No, you're right. Woo woo woo. Yeah, it'd be like jump. Right. It'll go exactly catapult. Dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah, that guitar <laughs> line on the scene. Catapult. Oh, it, oh, it's literally just jump. Oh, it's just okay. jump, yeah. <laughs> it's just jump. Okay. It's not the same sound. No. It's the same notes, yeah. the same tempo. Yeah. Same band. Same timing. Uh, yeah, excellent. Oh, you got Van Halen. Yeah, they just sampled. Just quickly re-recorded uh, for that song. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad they didn't do that, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not necessarily. <laughs> the next track is called Sitting Still. just they just take the uh, the chorus away from you they do all of the build up but they don't let you get to the chorus the first time round let's hear what the chorus sounds like when we do eventually get there is that is that holding off on the chorus or is that just only giving you half of the chorus right so in songwriting there's verses there's bridges which are sometimes called the pre-chorus and then there's choruses the bridges act as something to take you from 
the verse to the chorus. Uh, and REM do this thing where they do the bridge and then they just chuck you right back to the verse. So t- so w- w- you would say that the, o- the chorus of this song is just, I can hear you. I can hear you. That's the, That's chorus, the only yeah. bit that is the chorus. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Love this. Uh, now that's what I call REM. It would be on that album. <laughs> yeah, you said off mic, this this sounds like REM, doesn't it? This is REM. Does it feel different to you in, in any way to the rest of the album? It sounds... Maybe, oh, this is terrible, though. This is just me making some wild assumptions. But this sounds more like Beta R.E.M., which I'm not familiar with. <laughs> it, I think it just sounds like what I imagine they will ultimately end up sounding like. Okay, so it does, it does sound a little different to you in some it way. It doesn't sound as... I don't know, though. Yeah, because I... But yes, it does. It sounds, it sounds like the R.E.M. that will ultimately end up releasing Shiny Happy People. Right. Okay. Oh, that's interesting, Steve. Uh, well, it sounds what it sounds like is absolute mumbled nonsense. Like I, this is the one that is absolutely incoherent. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But it's actually not recorded in quite as high qual either. Uh, this was the B side to their first ever single, the Hiptone Radio Free Europe. That'll be probably why uh, it sounds a bit more like that. It sounds a bit. They didn't re-record it in the same way that they did Radio Free right. Europe either. Oh, this, this is literally is, just the... This is literally the same version, more or less. You can hear a bit of tape warble as it starts. It was made on a, on a lower budget in a lo-fi studio. So the bulk of this was recorded in 1981, two years before the album even comes out. They re-recorded some like out-of-tune backing vocals. Mike Mills re-recorded his bass because the main thing that they did to this song made the bass sound weird. The main thing that they did to this song was run the tape at a slower speed. Right. So it's slower, but it's not re-recorded slower like Radio Free Europe. It's just the same take slowed down. Um, what well, doesn't that make it? Wouldn't that make his voice sound weird? It does. It, that's why it sounds slightly different. Interesting. Yeah. Um, very classic REM. Chiming guitar that acts as a response to the call from the lyrics. And it's all propelled by this like tight rhythm section. I can't make out a word other than we could gather or I can hear you. And of course, wasting time sitting still, which is a, a line I've always felt in my bones. Um, is that why you can't rest? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wasting time that's, sitting That's still. why you've always got a project I, a, a day. You must be active at all bloody times. Otherwise the thoughts come in, don't they? And that's, you can't let the thoughts yeah, come in. exactly. But but what it is is an excellent transference of energy, like we were talking about on Chronic Town. Mm. Like this song just gets me pumped. Yeah, absolutely indecipherable. Like, but I don't think that takes away from the song for me. It's interesting that you say they re-recorded the bass because this is after a long stint of having not mentioned it. This was the song where I went, bass is really good, mm-hmm. isn't it? He's really yeah, good. Yeah, he's a really good bassist. Actually, it's because they're like you're playing the rhythm on the guitar and it's fairly simple. And then he's just like, he's traveling all over that neck. He's just going up and down, doing his own rhythms as well. Um, Adam, I did send you a, a video of the baseline. I don't know if you've watched it, the baseline for Orange Crush, which is, we'll talk about later. But it, it's, it's mental when you see what this bassist actually does. And I think it's so hidden. But occasionally, because there'll be a bass note played when there's no guitar, um, you're like, oh. And it's a note you wouldn't expect, and that happens on this. So Mike Mills uh, credits the writing of this song being the moment where he realised, hey, if Peter is going to play arpeggios instead of block chords, then it leads loads of room for me to do melodic things without losing any of the lower end. 
and that is basically the birth of the sound of REM right there. It's kind of captured in in this song, um, especially because it you know it adds it all adds to that kind of I don't know if it's true or not, but that, that you can't make out anything that he's saying. There's bits and pieces you can pick out. I've seen Stipe say that Katie bar the kitchen is an approximation of an old Southern saying Katie bar the door, which means trouble is coming to a child. Um, I've seen people say it's about Stipe's sister who is deaf. Uh, but there, there's a lot of childhood in it. You know, children are often told to sit still. And I think, the, again, the, they're good at transferring the energy, you know, the, the feeling of the song. It feels very cathartic. And I, I think that comes from the energy that is built in the verses that is then released in those choruses that go, I can hear you. Like suddenly being able to hear or suddenly being able to communicate feels like a breakthrough for the narrator of the song, you know. And, it, and you can hear it very clearly after not being able to hear very much of what's going on in the verses. I, you know, I... He's he's obviously, whenever he's doing it, he's deliberately obfuscating the lyrics. It's not a failing on his part. It's you know it's it's an artistic choice, and I think the way that he uses it on this song is very interesting. To be I can hear you being the main thing that you can hear, and he enunciates it like very very clearly when he hasn't been doing that deliberately. So in the verses, I think that's a neat trick of songwriting. It also won't have helped that the, the tape slowing down thing. It will have distorted his voice as well, to an extent. So, so it's it's you've even got that. I'm convinced that the any lyric sites I try to look at this, they've just made it up. Like read them. I think I could probably tell you whether or not they're right just from my memories of the of the song. We could bind it in the scythe. Yeah, that that feels right. Yeah, like REM using uh, REM using farm imagery. Very on brand for them. Sea could stop, stop it well read. Don't know what that means. Don't know what bit of the song it's from. I'm pretty sure you've just had a stroke. This is the third verse. This name I got, we all agreed. Yeah, I believe that's, isn't that, isn't that the first line of the song? This name I got, we all agreed. Sea could stop, stop it well. Is it not well read? Is it we'll read? Because we all agreed. Hey man, good song. Here's a question. Live, just as insufferable. Yeah, pretty much. There's an interview further down the line uh, with Michael Stipe where he references this song. The interview was conducted in front of some fans and he is asked about his lyrics and he said, there's a line in Sitting Still that apparently sounds like we can gather, throw up beer. And what it really says is we could gather, throw a fit. And when he said that in the interview, one of the fans said, you're kidding. I thought it was we could gather, throw our fear. And then Michael Stipe said, no, but that sounds great. I might use that instead now. It's probably far superior to what I wrote. And then that's what he sung live for a little bit. Right. So the the lyrics are subject to change, guys. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't really know what they are. Um, Peter Buck had this to say. Very early on, I made a point not to confront Michael with queries regarding lyrical origin or significance, just as I wouldn't peer into his diary if it fell into my possession. I didn't feel I merited any more privy than the average listener. I always assumed that Michael intended these lyrics to be understood only by his family and that they contained idioms or catchphrases unique to the Stipe household. It's no secret that his family is close-knit and I've observed him at his happiness, at, at his happiest in their presence. Perhaps wasting time sitting still was loving admonishment from his parents when he and his sisters did just that. 
I'm probably way off target, but I still enjoy hearing it in that context. It's it's interesting to me that Michael Stipe is just as elusive to his bandmates as he is to the general public. The band who played this song don't fully know what it's about. There's a quote from Mike Mills about a song that's on their 1986 album, Life's a Rich Pageant. Um, A quote from him in like 2009 saying, I've just worked out how he gets his hat out of the creek. Like I've only just, he's he's been playing it live for 20 years or whatever, 25 years. And Mike Mills only just worked out what what Michael Stipe was saying. Right. yeah, I, 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 I've I seen that same thing, Lucas. Michael Stipe describing his writing process as stringing a bunch of vowels and consonant sounds together and then figuring out what the words are, are after. I mean, a lot of people probably do that, right? I mean, we've, I've seen the clip from uh, the Beatles documentary that came out last year that I've forgotten the name of. And to be fair, when Paul McCartney starts writing a song, he's just going... Yeah, I'm now really that, conscious of the fact that I do a lot of esh sounds shmeh, when I do shmeh. the. Yeah, and now shmeh. I'm really consciously trying not to do it. <laughs> also, though, the difference is, I think you could imagine that Michael Stipe doing a take of that and going like, "That's the one." Yeah, that's the one we're gonna keep. <laughs> yeah, that's the That'll one do. we're leaving in That'll actually. <laughs> but I, I think this song is uh, magical. I love sitting still very much. Yeah, I struggle to sit still a lot of the time too. Ooh, you've got ADHD, yeah, absolutely. Steve, what do you think of the actual song? I, I know you said it's gibberish, but uh, in terms of like the energy, the feeling it gives you, uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not like a peak for me on the album. It's it kind of blends into the the ones that sort of middling for me, really. Um, I like the vibe of it though, and this is the same thing with like one of the other ones. I was laughing that I wasn't too fussed on. I still quite like it because it's sort of yeah. extremely inoffensive. Which is not a bad thing. If you have a look at variety so far, though, I I think at the beginning someone said like, "Oh, a lot of it all kind of just sounds the same." Oh, I think I think you'd struggle to make that argument looking at the eight tracks that we've talked about. Sitting still doesn't really sound like they're different vibes of the same sound. It sounds a bit like Radio Free Europe. That yeah, that's what I meant by it. It's still it's still very much. But then again, we've been spoiled in in previous seasons. This is the song where they do this on it. This is a this song where it's got backward bum on it uh, i don't know you know we we usually don't love the albums that are like that to yeah be i think there's only one that i really like which is know your enemy um but the, the yeah the other ones that the, the the albums that we've really liked are remarkably consistent like okay computer has a sound you know yeah I mean? yeah i mean we it depends how we feel about the album but we'll either describe it as coherent or cohesive or if we don't like it we'll be we'll say Samey. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily think this is yeah. samey. Um I don't think it's samey. I think yeah. that is too strong. I think uh I think we'll we'll get to it.
Is 9-9 the time signature of the song? No. Ah, I thought I was being clever. No, you can't have 9-9. Uh, oh, no, 9, no, uh, because you can't. Just And I said why so, the second me, number can't be, a, can't be 9. Why can't it be because 9? Because music theory says you can't. Doesn't sound like Steve really knows, to be honest. I'm telling he you, it doesn't can't, really though. seem to want to back. But he's not saying why, so I'm saying it can. It's got to be an even number. Why? Because I said so. I like this one a lot. I think, again, because it's. I think this one is one of the more dynamic ones. There's a lot of different sections and stuff going on. There's a lot of loud, quiet, and variation. Um, so, like, it jumped off the page for me again. Um, no idea what's going on, what it's about, or anything like that. But I just enjoyed the dynamism. That's fine. That's that 99 time signature did a lot for it, I reckon. That, I that is the is, only yeah. thing I think we're kind of uh, grabbing onto this whole episode. Like, we don't really know what any of these songs are about. It's down to interpretation. No, not and if all. you don't Clearly. have an interpretation, that's absolutely fine as well. I think, yeah. you know, maybe we're going to have that over the REM season. It's all going to be vibes and it's all going to be stuff like that. Um, I will say this is something that Michael Stipe has said. It was purposely recorded so you would never be able to decipher any of the words except the very last phrase, which was conversation fear, which is what the song was about. Now, so failed, because I definitely got a two-punch right on target. That's the first line of the verse, and you cannot convince me otherwise. A two-punch right on target. Uh, and I, I got, thought it was one-two punch, like a one-two punch. Okay, might be. That would actually yeah, make sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I got you got right on target. I got though. nothing else. Um, and I mean, the, in the middle eight, he's literally going like, nah, 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 nah. he's just, he's just <laughs> making, he's going, nah, nah. and then he does some incredibly fast spoken word. But good energy to this one, right? It, it, yeah, it adds to the spikiness of the spikier second half, and it has a lot of atmospheric things kind of going on in the background. Um, Peter Buck's riff is very cool. It has that main figure. And then there's sections where he's just strumming whatever open notes or dead notes or he's hitting harmonics. Uh, it just sounds really, yeah, like you said, Steve, dynamic. And I'm, I'm going to yeah. say it just sounds kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm quite happy for us to have takes on songs like that. Yeah, it just sounds cool. This is cool. This one just sounds cool, man. Um, yeah. And it's also another one that has a very interesting bass-led intro that they don't make much of. It's it's there and it's gone. But it has some really nice high high up on the neck picking uh, on the bass. Uh, Lucas is making a face and he's either scratching a mosquito bite or he just doesn't get this song, man. Or Del Boy's falling through but, the bar. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what. It's both, Adam. It's I'm both. Joking. I am scratching my foot. You are correct. Uh, but also, I don't not get this song. It is, it's, uh, it's definitely got a vibe. It's oh, off kilter. It's a vibe. It's got a weird. It's yes. that nine nine time signature. It is, but it's, but it's, it's also a kind of, kind of, kind of hard to get into. Yes, it is because it's kind of a bit all over the place. It's all over the place. It's the most avant garde thing on the album. I think this is the one where Mitch Easter and Don Dixon went like, let's let them have this one. You know, yeah, let's just it's only it's, it's, one track it's to blow track up some nine. Steam. Yeah, yeah, do exactly. What you <laughs> Exactly. Um, as a result of that, it's maybe the one that I'm least likely to just chuck on. You know, I'm not going to listen to this in in isolation. Yeah. Um, if I think, oh, I want to hear a couple of songs from Murmur, 
there's a couple of songs I'd go to before 9-9. In fact, I think there's 11 songs that I'd go to before 9-9. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I think so. It might be my least favourite thing, but I do really like it. Uh, so maybe it just tells you how I feel about the album. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, it's, do you really like the album? I do really like the album "Murmur" you by REM. It for <laughs> this is this is actually I, I, this is this is the song where obviously I, it, I must have got to a point reading through the lyrics as I was doing my notes where I just got fed up with the nonsense of it because I just I wrote I will never get along with the collage vague inaudible lyrics. What about like, Radiohead? I don't know. No, but there's more. There's Yesterday I woke up sucking on a lemon. There are two colours in my head. Everything in its right place. 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 Yesterday I woke up sucking a lemon. But I can hear that. You didn't. And you, also, no, no, no. Very famously, no, you did not know what the lyrics were. Yesterday, <laughs> yes, yesterday I woke up soaking on yeah. my own. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, I guess it, Radiohead, is, it's, there's, there's so much more going on sonically i guess and maybe that's what it is i don't know i look the heart wants what the heart wants okay i think this season might break lucas he's going to contradict himself so many times that he's going to end up very confused i (laughs) maybe i i think you're probably right this season probably (laughs) will break me break him he's gonna be a shell of a man i already feel like i'm struggling with (laughs) (laughs) we're nine tracks into their first album Stop right now. Thank you very much. I need somebody with a human touch. Human touch is a Bruce Springsteen album. I forgot. Just, I don't know how if do you, how, <laughs> you are just, how do you do it? It's incredible. I don't know if I've mentioned him in this episode or not. Because we do you think he would have been before. as successful if he was called Bruce Bingsteen? No, I don't think he would have done. The thing is, okay. that Springsteen is such a good name. Like yeah. the fact that he was Bingsteen. Yeah, it's not. It's not as good. No, it's not as okay. Good. okay. Before, before we go, <laughs> before we go, can I read uh, an email from one of our listeners? Yeah, please. No, really, do actually, because I can't stop thinking about Bingsteen. <laughs> this is from Daniel Pope, who Boos. says hello to. <laughs> Say Boos. Boos Bingsteen. Imagine if they did, you know, the Bruce thing. They are just Boo. booing him if his name is yeah, Boos. <laughs> no, because every now and again. Boo. No, because, yeah, because it ends with a hiss like yeah. you're in a pantomime. Boos. <laughs> anyway, look. <laughs> Daniel Pope says, hello to all big mates. I've been listening since the very first episode of season one. I have been meaning to email in all this time, but the retrospective, the the best of episodes, has finally encouraged me to take the plunge. The podcast has been very important to me over the past almost four years. It has accompanied me through my difficulties in lockdown, doing my GCSEs, applying to university and doing my A-levels. This email in some ways functions as a thank you for the constant support in the form of your podcast. Your podcast reinvigorated my love of music. By the beginning of 2020, my music taste had developed into purely the discography of Manic Street Preachers. Your joint episode on Idols functioned as an entry point for the modern post-punk scene, allowing me to discover what are now my favourite bands. I also found that it restarted my love of piano playing, encouraging me to put more effort into my practising. I kept listening into seasons two and three, despite an absolute apathy towards Muse and a lack of knowledge of the music of Billie Eilish. I found my feelings towards 
towards Muse remained on the negative side, but I've gained a lot of respect for Billie Eilish's music despite not actively listening. I had been looking forward to the Radiohead season since the end of season one. I had needed some encouragement to properly explore their discography. When I was writing my personal statement, I wrote about your podcast covering OK Computer. By the time Spotify Wrapped came up around last year, Radiohead were my most listened to artist, finding myself in the top 0.1% of listeners. I'm now waiting for my A-level results, having applied to study music. I have achieved a grade 8 in piano playing. Both of these parts of my life I do not think I would be doing without your podcast. I would like to just say thank you for your four years of podcasting. I'm very much looking forward to when I'm in a position where I feel financially secure enough to access the Patreon content. I'm also hoping that you're going to cover either Kanye or Kendrick Lamar, or even both from the bracket, as I was extremely disappointed when they lost out, and they're some of my favourite hip-hop artists. I'd also love a Black Country New Road season, who are my favourite band, having listened to them since just before they released for the first time, finding myself enthralled by their artistic journey. Before I end this rambling mess of an email, I would like to leave my top 10 Mannix and Radiohead songs. Mannix. Here we go. Here's the top 10 Mannix songs. I'm just going to do them quick. There's going to there's gonna be some bangers in there. Okay, guys, ready? 10. This is Yesterday. Then, facing page top left. 8. Four Stone Seven Pounds. 7. A Design for Life. 6. Little Baby Nothing. 5. The Intense Humming of Evil. Incredible. 4. Nice. Faster. 3. No Surface All Feeling. 2. If You Tolerate This, Your Children Will Be Next. And number 1. Mausoleum. Random. Good picks. The Intense Humming of Evil being in the top 10. It's fantastic. Mausoleum being number 1 is... Very cool. I don't... I think that's great. I don't think I've ever come across that. <laughs> Radiohead Top 10. Number 10. No Surprises. Number 9. Burn the Witch. Number eight, The National Anthem. Number seven, Pyramid Song. Number six, Jigsaw Falling Into Place. Number five, Reckoner. Number four, Present Tense. Number three, Let Down. Number two, Where I End and You Begin. Number one, How to Disappear Completely. I mean, strong, whichever way you cut that, strong. that's just Ted great. Strong, songs. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolutely great. Strong Many stuff. thanks, Dan. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Daniel Pope. Um, da- yeah, could, I mean, I, I want to say, like, with usually there's a whole lot of cynicism in every single thing we say, but I wanted to say that that is such a lovely email, and it's very easy to forget that real people listen to this sometimes, and that was just very, very lovely to hear, and I feel a little bit overwhelmed by that and how important it was to you, and I just wanted to say, yeah, nice. There was no bits in that. I just wanted to say And to go back onto bits, nice. do you think they're real? Because I reckon Adam just made that person up. To, like, I think I wrote that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, thank you for your email. Um, stuff like that does mean a lot um congratulations i mean achieving grade eight in piano playing incredible incredible stuff Uh, i hope your a-level results turned out okay uh i hope you're now studying music in university uh, I hope you're out get, let's getting large at uni i hope you're working yeah, out having it absolutely large. absolute bloody uni uh email us back let us know uh how you're getting on uh and while you're emailing I'll uh, dedicate this episode to someone. How about that? <laughs> I will dedicate Lovely. this episode to one of our biggest mate subscribers over on Patreon, Retro Futurologist. Thank you for subscribing, Retro Futurologist. This episode is yours. Um, and speaking of episodes, this brings this episode to a close. Thank you mm. very much, everybody, uh, for listening. Our next episode is out next Monday. And I believe, yeah, I'm thinking we're going to be back with Murmur. I think we are. I think I think we are. Come and join us for that. Um, 
But let us know what you think of what we've talked about. Uh, come and find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Is Music Pod, TikTok at What Is Music. And if you want to send in something a little bit longer, we'll read it out on the show, especially if it's as complimentary and touching as Dan managed there. Uh, email us, whatismusicpod at gmail.com. And if you like, By the way, that's not have, true. Don't we won't just read out ones that are really, will. really nice. No, to us. I'm like, not reading out the negative <laughs> ones. I'll tell you that. Much. Uh, if you, if you like, wait, there's so you many not, we're going to run out. Read my emails. <laughs> no, I don't. I've got you. You go straight into my spam list. Yeah. Um, Steve goes straight into my sperm list. <laughs> What's the spam list? It's not anything, is if it? If you liked what you heard here, and I doubt you did, um, <laughs> and you thought I'd like to hear more of that, head over to our Patreon page. We're doing all kinds of extra podcast shows. There's one where we revisit Manistry Preachers, one where we explore all kinds of different artists, genres, eras to make themed playlists. There's bonus commentaries, there's music discussion episodes, there's ad free episodes of this show. A pretty amazing amazing discord community to be fair and there's fully dressed hot water bottles you can head to patreon.com slash what is music pod or follow the link in the show notes for up to two podcast episodes every single week there are also other ways that you can support us if you'd like to you could buy some of our shiny new rem merchandise over at what is music or send us a little one-off donation if you want to over on coffee.com which is ko hyphen f i dot <laughs> oh fell apart k k ho ko-fi.com slash what is music the best way to support us however is to do what you're doing right now which is listening to us uh, you rate the show subscribe the show share with your friends all of that stuff that podcasts ask you to do that about does it thank you again for listening we will see you next week but for now it's the end of the episode as we know it and i feel uh deeply touched i feel horny <laughs> <laughs>